God for uh, those beautiful voices on today, uh, ministering to us through music. Uh, and because we know in the black church, uh, next to the priest word, uh, music is uh, very important. It's what draws us and keep us, uh, keeps us close to God. So we thank God for you, amen. And as well as to the organist today and the drummers, we thank God for you as well. Amen. Those who are working on the media in the back, we also thank God for you as well. Amen. Amen. But I, today I bring greetings to you in the name of our God and our Savior Jesus Christ. And what a blessing it is to be able to stand behind this sacred pulpit and to deliver God's word on this, the first Sunday of June. And I have to acknowledge and thank God for the church that I've been honored to pastor going now on four years, Emmanuel A.M.V. of New Rochelle. And Emmanuel knows that I, I love Emmanuel. I love each and every one of them. Uh, y'all have seen me through a lot. Uh, and y'all have supported me. Uh, and you even support the vision uh, that uh, God gave in bringing these two great churches together uh, to do the ministry of God. Uh, not because we uh, necessarily had to. Uh, we did so because we, I, God showed me that we can do so much more when we can come together. And perhaps we need to see more of that and show the community that we can work together. Uh, as opposed to creating our own separate tribes uh, when yes. common sense is something that God gives us in the That's first place. Right. Amen. And we already feel uh, at home here at Allen Temple. So we thank God for you, Reverend Marriott. And I'd certainly want to acknowledge the advisor and the first lady of this church, Sister Alicia, who is my sister, who's an AKA. We thank God for you. And we're still praying for your pastor as he continues to seek the light. Uh, so pray with us uh, that he seeks the light and he sees the light. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And we and I thank God for you, uh, uh, the Reverend Dr. Hugh Marriott, uh, for that beautiful introduction. Uh, I always I, that's not his first time saying that he's seen things I don't know he sees. And I'm like, what is what is he uh, talking about? I'm sure. <laughs> One day we'll have a great conversation about that, but uh, uh, we thank God for your spirit of discernment and you praying for me uh, and allowing me to do this on today. So we are grateful for you. And I do remember when you were appointed here. It was my first uh, uh, post-conference uh, back in 2014 uh, in Philadelphia. I moved here July 2013, and I, I do um, recall when you were appointed here. So it's great to see that we... This, is, this has happened. I yeah. could never imagine that four, five years ago, but look how God works. Amen? Amen. So we thank God. Amen? Amen. So uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into the word on today. Amen? Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you. We bless you. We glorify you for this day, uh, for this opportunity, God, to be here and to worship as one church. God, we're not separate people, but we're under one God, one Savior, one Holy Spirit, one cross. And we thank you, O oh God, for what you are doing. For God, this is what you are doing. This isn't the doing of Reverend Minson or Reverend Marriott. We're just simply being obedient servants to what you are doing. God, we thank you for blessing what is taking place. 
And we thank you, O oh Lord, for sending your angels to stop any, any demon that will seek to put or stop or thwart or to delay what you are trying to do, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, for this church and everyone that's here. God bless them, touch them, anoint them, strengthen them on today. And I pray now, God, that you continue to use me. You know me more, better than I know myself. I pray now, God, as I allow you to enter on the inside of me, that God, this word that you've given me, it will be a blessing to your people as it has been a blessing to me. We thank you, God, on today. We bless you and we glorify you. And I'll save in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Reverend Marriott read into your hearing today uh, a portion of the scripture from which I'm going to preach from today. And I'll ask if you would just indulge me for a moment. I'm going to read from the NIV version, and it's going to be Mark 2, uh, but this time it's going to be verse start, starting at verse 23 and concluding at 27. And then I'll go back into 3 and conclude at, uh, begin at verse 1 and conclude at verse 6. Amen? Amen. Amen. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. Mm -hmm. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Mm -hmm. And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? And he entered the house of God when Abathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. That's right. And he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. That's right. So the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. Of the Sabbath. That's right. Again, he entered the synagogue, and the man who was there, who had a withered hand, they watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, come forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. And this is the word of God for the people of God. 
And on this afternoon, uh, I would like to use for a sermonic title, and perhaps you've heard this saying before, uh, and it's certainly relevant to these verses, this pericope as we would call it in, sem in seminary. Heavenly bound, but no earthly good. We're introduced in this text, Mark, uh, today, uh, the, the oldest of the Gospels. We know that it's placed second, but Mark is the oldest of the Gospels that we have. And in Mark, we're introducing a very, in verse 23, of Jesus going into the grain field and collecting grain for the people. And for the purposes of the Pharisees, it wasn't the fact that he was collecting this grain, he was doing it on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. It will be equivalent to someone in here today going out and picking grain while we're sitting here in the house of God worshiping on our Sabbath. But their concern was misplaced. Why do we collect food? We collect food because people need to eat. And the Pharisees in this particular instance were more concerned with the law, more concerned with doing what the law tells them to do than to take care of the people. And Jesus was a servant of the people, not a servant of the law. What he was doing was not destroying the law. What he was doing wasn't disrespecting the law. What he was essentially doing was fulfilling the law. What would be the purpose of the law if there are no people? Either the Pharisees had no idea of what it was like to be hungry, or they'd simply forgot. Imagine being hungry and needing something to eat. Jesus sympathized with those who needed something to eat. And on the Sabbath, they needed something to eat because people get hungry on the Sabbath too. Hunger doesn't decide to take a vacation because it is a Sabbath. People are hungry also on the Sabbath. Sympathy in the English language is derived from the, uh, a Greek word. And in the Greek, it means to suffer. So when you say that you sympathize with someone, you're saying essentially that you're suffering yes. with that person. Jesus saw hungry people and he sympathized with them. He was suffering with them. So the fact that they needed something to eat and it was a Sabbath, he was not going to not feed God's people because of the Sabbath. He was going to do so because he was connected to them. He felt their suffering. The Pharisees, on the other hand, could only see the law and to put on this persona and this image and this mask of being pious. They worship the law. But the law, my brothers and sisters, is useless if it dehumanizes the people that it is supposed to serve. That's right. That's right. The law is not supposed to dehumanize. It's not supposed to, to eternally punish God's people. We live in a democracy. Anyone that commits any kind of crime in this country and you go to jail for a period of time or even life, you are entitled to a meal at least three times a day. Because we recognize that you, we have to respect the humanity of a person. That's correct. 
you don't get to strip away their humanity because they've done something wrong. Because we, at the end of the day, are humans and we're supposed to be better than the people who do terrible things. And I love what Jesus said. He said that the Sabbath was to serve the people, not the people to serve the Sabbath. And went on further saying that I'm the son of man, so I can do pretty much what I want to do in the first place. I don't know why y'all challenging me because I'm the son of God. So if there's anyone that could do with something on the Sabbath, it should be me. But I want to send a message that to all God's people, that if there's someone hungry on the Sabbath, you feed them. If someone falls in the ditch with their donkey, you don't pass them by, you help them out of the ditch. If there's someone thirsty in need of water, you don't just pass them by and say, I can't give you water today because it's the Sabbath. No, you give them water, even if you're on your way to church. You stop and help God's people. Because if you're late, a little late for church, because you're helping out God's people, that's right. That's all right in God's eye. Because you're taking care of God's people. And then we're going to verse 3, and, and we're, we're introduced to the man with a withered hand. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is immediately fell, uh, is filled with compassion for this man. Because he sees, again, someone else who is suffering. He can imagine not being able to use your hands, having no use of your hands at all. Just imagine for a moment what that's like. Again, Jesus chose another opportunity to sympathize, to suffer with someone. And yet the Pharisees, they were in the synagogue on the outside, peeking through the windows and and looking for a reason to catch him and breaking the Sabbath again. Because for them, again, it was following the law and not helping the people. They were envious of Jesus Christ. But when Jesus pose the question to them, is it better to save life or to kill on the Sabbath? They they were silent. They didn't have an answer. You couldn't have a rational answer or logical answer to that. And Jesus angry, yet, however, also saddened at the hardness of his heart, he asked the man to come forward. And he healed the man. And after doing this act of immense service, they immediately went out and conspired with the Herodians on how they would destroy Jesus, how they would malign his character, how they would destroy this man's life, destroy him if necessary. Because they weren't do he, Jesus wasn't going along to get along. I like Jesus. I'm, I'm that kind of preacher. I don't go along just to get along. I, I, I believe in doing what God says do. If you disagree, I, I, I want to be on God's side. I don't, wanna, I don't believe in following the crowd. I believe in following God, because I know if I follow God, I'm not going to get lost. That's right. I know if I follow God, I'm not going to get caught up in crazy stuff that's going to be harmful to me. I know that I'm going to walk into the light. I know I'm going to be well. I know God's going to take care of me when I choose to follow God and not other people. And if, even if you dare threaten to do something unto me, I'm not going to be afraid of you. Fear should be reserved for God, not for man or woman. 
when, especially when you're doing the work and the will of God. And the message for us in this text, my brothers and sisters, is for us to look within ourselves. It is a beautiful thing to be heavenly bound, but in, at the same time, are we any earthly good to God's people? Are we those Christians that come to church every Sunday, we do Bible study, we give to missions, we uh, do all these things that church people are supposed to do. We have a perfect attendance in church. And we puff ourselves up and we boast about these things. But when it comes to the helping the average person, we just turn the other eye. Uh, we find reasons why people shouldn't come into our church when, in fact, this is God's house. I, I often tell Emmanuel that you can tell someone, you can pick who can come in and out of your house, the house that you pay the mortgage on or the house that you paid the mortgage off on already or the house that you rent. But God's house, any place that has a cross and it's called the church, you have no right to tell people they can't come into God's house. Why would we deny people the opportunity to experience God? Regardless of who they are and what they do, if they're strung out on drugs or whatever the case may be, I would want them to be in the presence of God. And sometimes in the church, we treat God as though he's incompetent, that God doesn't know what God is doing, when in fact, you don't know what you're doing. We have to begin to trust God more with God's people and understand that everyone that's in the world isn't going to look as put together as we are. And the truth is, some of us, we do a very good job in looking like we're put together, but the truth is, we're not put together. And when we don't tell our own truth, it's easy for us to pick on other people, to bully other people, to tell other people that you're not worthy of God's love that there's something wrong with you, that God doesn't love you in the same way that God loves me, that God is not going to bless you in the same way that God blesses me. I, I'm, I recall Jesus was uh, radical. Uh, prostitution wasn't something that was uh, looked upon favorably during that time. It's not even looked upon favorably now. But Jesus hung out with prostitutes, a prostitute in particular. You don't hear too many pastors or ministers doing that these days. It might be, might be for good reason. But Jesus, Jesus made sure that he brought people into a circle that, that other people cast aside as unworthy. And we as a church, we have to be very intentional that we Embrace those people that the world says is unworthy of God's love. And it doesn't mean that we, we accept sin or accept what people do. It's saying that let's trust God to do what God wants to do in people's lives. Let's for a moment accept the fact that we don't know what God's plan is for everyone's life and that we don't know it all. Let's, like, let's just imagine for a moment right. that we just do not know it all. And God doesn't want us to know it all. Yeah. Let's just imagine that for a moment, Christian folk. <laughs> and begin to ask ourselves the hard questions. Why is it that people 
often say they don't come to church because of church folk. We have to deal with that. There are some people who exaggerate here and there, but a lot of that's true. And we have to begin to do that evaluation that we allow God to work on us and work on God's people. And, I, and my church always tells me I, every Sunday I preach on love. I don't do it intentionally. I just believe in loving people. And when I got to a point where I fully love God's people and I love myself, I can't help but love God's people. I want everyone to be able to have the kind of relationship that I have with God and embrace people and, and to know God and to be able to say that I, I serve a God that loves all of God's creation that is going to be able to bless God's people. That just because I'm a Christian, I don't believe that just because there's Muslim brothers or Jewish brothers, they have, they have less rights than I do because they're not Christian. That we have to love people because they are God's people. And that we don't ostracize and marginalize them. And I, I'm often surprised that people of African descent who know oppression who had literally, through the Supreme Court of the United States, our humanity, we were declared three-fifths of a person in a democracy, and yet we can't sympathize with people who are fighting for their particular rights in this country as well. To say, recognize me. I often wonder about that, because when you forget your, your past, you tend to repeat it. And I don't want to be a part of the majority out there that wants to make America great again. I want to be a part of God's church and God's movement that seeks to embrace people and love people and that we spread the gospel and we go into those dark places the same way that God went in those dark places with us. I look back at where I came from and the things that I've done and yet God called me to this ministry. And back then I said, God, why would you call me? You, you know what I'm doing. You know what I've done. But yet God calls God's people because God trusts us. And I'm not who I was 10 years ago. As I stay and I grow closer to God, and as we do, we begin to change, and we begin to become more like God. You cannot be in God's presence and not change. That's why we need to bring God's people, the lost, into God's house and show them love because when they come into God's presence, then the inevitable result is that they are going to change. Because that's who God is. No one in here can save themselves. Reverend Marriott and myself, we can't save anybody in here. We cannot do it. But God has the ability of changing each and every one of us because we can save ourselves. We can make a list of things that, good things that we're going to do, and we can take a vacation and say, okay, God, I've done these great things. Now take me on home to glory. I can do what I want. That's not how it works. It's a lifelong process. And if we say that we're going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, that means we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ. We have to act like Jesus Christ and be mindful of the spirit that the Pharisees had that the law was more important, the Sabbath was more important than God's people, than people who were hungry and people who were starving. And that out of that, they want to destroy a person. I, I'll tell you this, my brothers and sisters, life 
is not without its sufferings. When you stand up for something, there are going to be people who will seek to destroy you. When they cannot imagine a church or a world that is not in their rigid worldview, they become threatened. And we see that in this country today. People who are afraid. And I'm a political science major. I, I, in my sermons, I connect the real world into sermons. We see that today. People, a group of people who are afraid of a changing country, a country that's looking more like us. In 30 years, it's going to be majority us. And that scares people. They don't see the fact that we are children of God. All they see is the superficial things that were created, these socially constructed norms of race. They don't see children of God. Therefore, we have to make it harder for God's people to vote. We have to dehumanize other countries because we're afraid. My brothers and sisters, we are Christians. We have nothing to be afraid of. We have nothing to fear so long as we're on God's side. And we as Christians have to make sure during this dark time where people are worried and that's sad that we give the world light and enthusiasm. We know who our God is regardless of who occupies the residence on 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Yes. Yes, sir. That whoever is there, regardless of what party, that we always keep our focus on God. That we keep our focus on God and, and even that we don't worship each other. We don't worship Episcopal leadership. We don't worship pastors. And a lot of churches get, because we're Methodists, so we sometimes move. That's part of the process of being a Methodist. But if you're connected to God, you're connected to God, you're able to embrace whomever God chooses to be your servant. This is why it was not a problem for me to say, let's do this merger thing with Alan. I wasn't concerned about my well-being or what God had for me. I knew that God's people were coming together. And on this day, as we continue to make ourselves heavenly bond and we seek God, let us make sure we're being useful to people who we come in contact with every single day. The people that you see in the subways, if you use the subways in New York City, the people that you may pass as you walk the streets, the people who are on your jobs, the people that you see in church every Sunday, make sure that we are being good to them. And that the legacy that when people walk past us and they talk about us to other people, that they're saying that person is loving, that person has, that person encouraged me, not someone who tore me down and didn't help me but sought to criticize me. Let us be good to each other. Let us love each other. The scripture tells us to love thy neighbor as you love thyself. It's one of the most important commandments. And when we begin to love each other, and when we begin to embrace each other and love God and truly love the ministry of Jesus Christ, things will come in order and things will work and we can do the work in the ministry that God has called us to do. So I encourage you, my brothers and sisters, as we take the communion today, 
when we symbolically drink of the blood and, and eat symbolically the body of Jesus Christ. And we do that because we're supposed to have a clear and clean heart when we do that. We do that every first Sunday of each month to make sure and to give us an opportunity to clear our hearts, to make sure there's no unforgiveness in our heart, no hate towards people. That's why it's so important that we do that. That when we do that today, that we renew ourselves and say, God, use me as you want me to use me. Move me out of the way. Move my issues out of the way. Move my prejudices out of the way. Move my issues out of the way. And God, let you be shining before me. And I do what you call for me to do. So my brothers and sisters, I pray that this is a blessing to you today and that you allow God to use you and that we're good to each other. Amen. God bless you.